You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Our main text is going to be taken from Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. And subtext will be from Jeremiah 32, from verse 27. And um, the last subtext will also be Genesis 18, verse 14. Those three scriptures are very popular. We can quote them even in our sleep. But the main text is Matthew 19, 26. I will read in your hearing. But Jesus beheld them... And said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God, all, say all, come on, can you say all, with God, all things are possible. Each time I read that verse of scripture, something moves in me. Especially the latter of um, verse that say, but with God, all things are possible. Subtext, Jeremiah 32, verse 27. Now, the context today says Jeremiah was encountered by a host of army and was afraid uh, to battle. And verse 20, 27 said, behold, that's when the word came unto Jeremiah. said, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. I want to ask you a million dollar question, okay? And I need an answer. Is there anything too hard for me? Well, I'll give you a second chance to redeem yourself. Because some of you, you were in doubt. So, maybe our second subtext, I'll give you time to redeem yourself. Genesis 18 verse 14, it says, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Let us pray. Father God, we just want to thank you because you're a good God. We bless you because, oh God, we've come to hear a word from you. Even I, the preacher, have not come to hear my word. I've come to hear a word from you, oh God. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you take absolute control. That Lord, oh God, that your word will become flesh. In other words, your word will minister to every boy, every girl, man and woman at the point of their need. Your word will become flesh and it will dwell amongst us, dwell in our surroundings, dwell in our situation. That we might feel, oh God, your power like never before in the name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, that you make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. That I will make no injustice to your word. But your word will come freely, oh God, as authorized by your spirit. Lord, I do not, I do not plan or hope to be, to be popular or famous. I pray, oh God, that I may decrease. And you might increase in my life and the life of your people in Jesus' mighty name. And let them, I believe, shout, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Glory be to God forevermore. Now, the title of my meditation this morning from our free Bible text is Let Go. Turn to your neighbor and say, Let Go. Come on. And I need it to be a deputy preacher. Come on, say, Let Go. Let Go. Let Go. Let Go. Um, this is our month of the divine shift. 
And we have been hearing incredible messages on divineship from Pastor Tammy. And I don't know about you, the last Sunday was just off the hook, talking about your mind shift for a divine shift. And it's been incredible. And I just want to make a confession to you because I don't know about you. This month, I am trusting God for divine shift. So the, the, the phrase divine, uh, divine shift, places emphasis on God. In other words, a shift that does not require human help or require no human intervention. When you hear the word divine, it's out of the natural. When you hear the word divine, it means God has been introduced into the equation. Hallelujah. So the, the, the divine is what creates uh, the supernatural. The supernatural. I one time had a man of God, and I, this is a man of God that knows God, that preaches the word of God many, many years ago, was doing a crusade, and there was this man that was amputated on his leg, and it was a miracle service, and he called for people that need the hand of God to touch their life. I bet you this man, he knows that God can work miracles, but the God that we serve has a way to show up in a way that is going to blow your mind, mesmerize your mind. And part of those that came out was this man that had an amputated leg. Now, whether he came out for another problem, only God knoweth. But when he came, because there was faith in the atmosphere, this man of God saw this man that has an amputated with the leg, the leg grew back during the miracle service. Now, that didn't actually get me. This man of God said for two weeks he could not eat because when he saw raw miracle, church, to me, that is supernatural. That is what God can do. Now, hear yourself. Now, if you drive a car and um, you, know, you drive a Mercedes or a Benz or a BMW or a Jaguar, you go to the manufacturer, they've got spare tires, you know. Um, they've got things whereby your car breaks down. They, they, you, you drive it to the garage and they've got the spare to put it back on. And when they put the spare back on, it's as good, as good, as new. How much more God. He's got spare parts of all the bodies he's created. God can make your eye that is gone blind pop open. God can supernaturally create any internal organ that is dysfunctioning. That is supernatural. So this man could not eat. When God mesmerizes you, there are times that you just cannot but wonder and say, God, if not for God, if not for the Lord on our side, will have been consumed. There are certain things that happen in your life. You just want to, no, 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 it is not to my credit, but it is God. Come on, shout divine shift. So the divine adds the extra on your ordinary, to, to, to produce extraordinary. When you see something that is just beyond the ordinary, it is extraordinary, which means this thing is outside the realm of the ordinary. It's outside what you and I are used to. Oh, church, I remember, I remember many years back, close to 24 years ago, I and my wife, we went for a seminar. I'm sure I've shared this in church before. And my God, in that service, it was Christ's chapel. The man 
that came from the state, it, it, was, it was a night whereby we are all having a Holy Ghost laughter. Whereby the man prayed in terms of whatever you're going through. Why don't you cast it upon God and rejoice? And the service that day was just full of joy. And people were laughing in the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah, you're probably looking at, looking at me, stranger. Laughing in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, they were, they were just laughing. Laughing in the Holy Ghost. There was joy. And we left service. We left service and we were driving. And it's on this Holloway Road. Because there was something on me. I just could not place my hand on it. And I just sparked and my wife was wondering. Before that time, I was praying in tongues. I just sparked. I just could not contain it. And I said to my wife, please do not call 999. She said, why? Her face changed. Said, what is going on? So don't call 999. And immediately on Holloway Road, I jumped out of the car and I ran on the road screaming. Because something just came over me. And tell you what, I tell you what, if I look back and trace my life, I began to see the things that happened many days. Hence, I could link into me receiving that divine shift and flowing into it. I came out. See, when God moves in your life, you don't care who is beside you. You don't care who is beside you. And I tell people, see, when the devil wants to move, the devil will give you some thoughts and say, well, you're acting pretty and cute. You're on the train and it tells you where well, your child is going to die. So, well, you're on the train. But the devil did not consider those on the train. If the devil whispers anything to me, I will say, no, devil. I don't care who is beside me. I shall not die but live. I am the children that God has given unto me. They are made for signs and wonder. He speaks and whispers into my ears. I will definitely talk back. Amen. And that's what happens when you are in a season of divine shift. You've got to be careful of what you say. You've got to be so nimble and agile to move with God and to do things with God. And that is why I've come here to let you know in this month of divine shift you just have to let go. Oh, what God is probably saying to you may not make sense to you yourself. But I'm here to let you know, church, you have to let go. God is asking you to move in a direction that doesn't make sense to you but i'm here to let you know you just have to let go just say let go let go let go let go let go let go the divine adds god's factor upon your life which explains why some of you operate in god's favor crazy favor and you must have heard people say we're well, favor and fair oh yeah and fair i'm favored of god not because of what i deserve but i'm favored because i'm just favored i don't know what you did to to sort of own the name of your parent I'm Elu. I didn't do anything because I was just born into the family. Hence, I inherited my father's name. So that's why if I'm favored, I'm not ashamed to say, well, I'm favored. I'm favored. Player here, I'm favored. Glory be to God. And all that happens because of the divine shift that God is working in and through you. The divine makes you preferred candidate. Have you ever been to a place where you just walk in and say, well, just like you. Well, it's not because of the way you comb your hair. It's because there's something, something around you. Uh, I don't know because I can't actually live in open plan homes. You know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to move house and um, I've done, um, well, moved to my dream house. Uh, and I will share the testimony. Glory be to God. And uh, some of the houses I've gone to see were lovely but open plan. My goodness, you know, you've got a kitchen. 
It's just and the kitchen is there, the living room is there. My, my, my. For where I come from, and especially with what my wife cooks, when she does the designer stew, my goodness, you cannot do it in an open plan because everything going to be smelling of designer stew. When they boil that oil and the air is everywhere, you'll be coughing. Where open plan ain't going to work for me. But one thing that I want to say about that is when you're in a kitchen whereby they're cooking, they've boiled out oil, cook designs too, and you've done everything. And when you walk out to another place about 10, 15 minutes, people start smelling you. Mm, something smelling nice. Do you know why? Because you've just come out of the kitchen. And that is why when you walk with God, when you stay in the presence of God, they that wait on the Lord shall renew the strength. When you wait in Him, wherever you go, people will know you've, you've been with God. His favor goes around you. And that's why when you are favored, don't be ashamed because you've been with God. God rubs off on you. When Moses came down from the mountain, they couldn't look at his face. They couldn't look at his face. When Peter was going to lie, you know, to, to 12 year old boys, say, Well, I, I don't know him. Say, but you, you sound like him. Well, you cannot be in the presence of God that you will not sound like God. And that is why if you want to change your language, if you swear unexpectedly, I want to recommend to you, stay close to Jesus. When you stay close to Jesus, your language will get straightened out. When you walk with Jesus, you smell like Jesus. When you talk to Jesus, you talk like Jesus. You don't get the move that what you see or what you hear because you spend time in the presence of God. So the divine makes you the preferred candidate. Have you ever been in a situation where all things around you begin to go crazy? Disappointment every now and then. And you get so tired that Lord, I just need a divine shift. Have you been there? Oh, I'm just talking to myself. You just I need I need the divine because I've done all that I need to do. I have prayed, I've fasted, but nothing is going. I just need the divine. Come on, lift up your hands and shout divine shift. The divine shift. I just need that, I need that divine. The divine shift upon my situation. Hallelujah. The divine shift. It is your season. Now hear the, your season of a divine shift. It is your season, your moment of a divine shift. But you missed a good place to say amen. I said, church, it is your week of divine shift. It is your year of divine shift. It is your moment of divine shift. Now I'll take you now, grab you to our main text in Matthew chapter 19, verse 30, 26. Where we see, we all know the backdrop of that story. This guy came, came to Jesus, man. He said, Jesus, I've checked you out on Instagram. I see the things you do on Twitter, man. Well, by the way, you follow a lot of people on Instagram. There's nothing wrong with it. But do you follow Jesus? Now, how do you follow Jesus? You follow Jesus by what you display. Because people that follow you on Instagram is because they see something that defines you and they link themselves to, you, to, you, to it and then they want to follow you. But do you follow Jesus? Well, just look straight. That's not where I'm going. So he came to Jesus. I've checked you out on Instagram, on Twitter. Man, you perform miracles, man. But he said to Jesus, my, my, my. I heard about what you did in, in Canaan. 
man, you are a party boy because you extended the party that went for two, two days. Wine finished, but you turned water into wine. Say, so I want to be like you. Tell me, what commandment do I still need to keep? And Jesus said unto him, well, uh, you know, you should love your neighbor as thyself. Um, you know, you should, um, you, should not, you should not commit adultery. You should not steal. Honor thy father and thy mother and all that. And Jesus said all that to him. And he, and he goes, oh, yeah? All that I have kept. And Jesus said unto him, go sell all your belongings and then come and follow me. And the Bible then said, the man turned back. And he left Jesus very sorrowful because he had great possession. And Jesus then said something. He said, very, very, I say unto you that it is easier. He was not talking to his disciples. Now watch this because I'm giving the backdrop of, of, of the main text. Um, he not told his disciples that very, very, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle Ooh. than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, can I actually destroy one ideology that you probably think, well, following Christ means that um, you have to settle for the least in this world. You have to be very poor. You know, you don't have to drive a nice car. No, just godliness with contentment is a great gain. I just want to love Jesus. I want to go to heaven and all that. Well, let me actually bust your bubbles a bit. So if Jesus was talking to his disciples and made that statement, now, if the disciples were poor, they said, oh, glory to God. But no, they didn't shout because they were concerned. Because they've, they've got substance. They said, well, who should be saved? So which tells me they had substance? Men of industry. Peter was a fishers of men. We're going to see them in my text later on. So that was the text. And then they said, so who shall make the kingdom of heaven? Now, we now get into our main text. Jesus says, now listen very carefully, with men, this is impossible. Now, what is the this? The subject matter in discussion that I've just said unto you. So what he, in terms of the proverb he made, and that worried the disciples, he said, with men, this is impossible. But now, i got to be confused because I know that uh, you cannot teach Jesus or God the grammar. And if that was the subject that was being discussed, how come Jesus now said, after he said, with men, this, that makes sense to me. Because when I did English, I know if I'd make some comparison. And then Jesus now said, but with God, oh, oh. Do you know what happened? Jesus had to shift gears because Jesus was trying to juxtapose the natural and the supernatural. The natural being man, natural, and then the supernatural being God, the supernatural, divine. So when God is in a class all by himself, God cannot be confined to just one entity. And that's why he said, but with God, all things, all things, any problem, any issue, all things are possible. That is the kind of God you and I serve. Will you permit me for one second? Let me take a few moments. I introduce to you the God that I serve. 
serve. Oh, when he appeared unto Moses and he said unto Moses, I need to send you unto a mission to, to, uh, to Egypt. And Moses that was stammering was reluctant. But in the conversation, because when you are with God, there's something that rubs off on you. And in that dialogue, and that Moses finally agreed to go, Moses said unto God, yes, I've met you in the wilderness. Who should I say send me? Because what I'm saying now is so real, it's so genuine, I may not be able to explain it because there's some things that you witness in God. Your eyes cannot describe it. Your mouth cannot articulate it. So Moses said unto God, who shall I say send me? Do you know why? Because he doesn't know how to describe God. Is he going to go to Egypt and say, well, a man with a white beard, where well, we believe that God has a long white beard, you know, in the cartoons, appeared unto me by a burning bush and the bush was not being consumed. You know, he just couldn't go and say that. And uh, God said unto him in Exodus, well, tell them I am that I am. Oh, church, God says I am that I am. In other words, I am anything that you want me to be. Anything that your brain can compute about me. I am that I am. And Moses said, oh, I get the message. You are that you are. And Moses went forward. Church, when God shows up on your scene, he will be anything to you. God is so wide that you can never get around him. He's so tall you can never get above him. He's bigger than the biggest. He's smarter than the smartest. He's stronger than the strongest. Oh, can I tell you more about my God that I serve? Oh, church, he's the one that makes everything from nothing. For the Bible says in the book of Genesis, in the beginning God oh all you need in your life when you start anything is God it says it's in the beginning God God what happened because when God came out in the scene there was darkness no there was nothing at all the earth was without form and void there was no shape it was like amoeba there was no definition God does not need anything to make things in the midst of darkness God said let there be light and what happened light be well something bothers me something bothers me about this because you and I know what brings light is the sun but the God we serve we do something and we'll explain it later what do I mean I know I missed today because it's not until the fourth day that God created the sun but in the beginning the first before he made anything he said let there be light that is the kind of God that you serve he does not observe the sequence he does not need to ask any bishop before he blesses you he does not need to seek any permission with any board because no one put him there and because no one put him there no one can take him down God can do anything God can move can move mountains oh one of the Sammy called him he's my boo walker he's a miracle walker he's the same God that walked on water that is it is impossible to do it but he walked on water I'm talking about a God that is so powerful and multi-dimensional to the extent that he would transform into anything for your sake he will become 
everything for you. You cannot comprehend him. You cannot phantom him, phantom him out because God is too big for your situation. And that is why I don't care about my problem. All I need to know is there is God. I don't care about my situation because God in the equation, all things are possible. Because God with me, all things are possible. And that is why I am not ashamed to say my life is nothing without God. But with God, I am everything. I'm here to let you know, how do you place this God in your life? You've been worrying about your situation. You've been having sleepless nights. But I'm here to let you know, he says cast your case upon me. And that is why I'm saying let go for God to perform in your life. Oh, this God. This God is so sweet. Sweeter than a honeycomb. This God, the I am that I am. He is the bread. He is the bread, the bread of life when you are hungry. This God is water to you when you are thirsty. This God is your physician when you are sick. And it's one physician that has never lost any case. Your doctor might say to you that well, we've given you X amount of days to live, that the sickness is incurable, but with God, he is the greatest physician. Oh, he is the lawyer in the courtroom. I don't care what they want to do about you. He says every handwriting that is written against you has been nailed to the cross. He is the lawyer, has never lost a case. And that is why one with God is a majority. I don't care if you don't want to be my friend, but God says I am his friend because it says a friend sticker closer than a brother. This God that I'm saying is the God that you need and nothing else. All you need is God. All you need is God. He's your friend. He's your buckler. He's your lover. The rose of Sharon. The lilies of the valley. Whatever you are going through, God transformed to provide and to give the answer. And that is what we saw in the text. Jesus said, when he shift gear, but with God, ladies and gentlemen, what are you going through this moment? I'm here to throw God into the equation in the name of Jesus, that with God, you are coming out of that situation because it's a divine shift moment over the house. You are coming out and you are coming out pretty quick in the name of Jesus. That devil is a liar. That devil is a liar. The things that you have been waiting on God for a long time, things that make you not sleep at, at night. I'm here to announce to you that you are coming out that God is bigger than that situation. God is bigger than that problem. You know, you, you, you read the news, and it's, it's good to, to look at the news, to read the papers. It's never good news. Never good news. You know, uh, we're trying to elect prime minister now. Inflation, inflation is high. Um, things are expensive. You know, everybody's feeling the pinch. Even Rishi Sunak is feeling the pinch. Now, even though he's a billionaire. Let me tell you why he's feeling the pinch. Millionaires don't like losing money. If I let me tell you one thing, millionaires or billionaires, they actually love freebies. 
And that is why you and I pay a lot of money to go on to red carpet. But they give the VIPs tickets to come. They don't pay for it. Millionaires don't like spending unnecessarily. In fact, you wonder, you say, wow, look at this, look, look, look at this billionaire. Why, is you, why, why are you still fighting, you know, against certain things? Because they don't like losing money. So it's pinching both the rich and the poor. It's just that some might feel it more than others, but it's pinching everyone. And I just went on one day, and I went to do some purchase, and I said, God, well, I thank you, God. I was able to do this. Yes, I know there might be recession, but with God. Hmm, with God. Because I've got God. He is the Jehovah Jireh. That says he will supply my needs according to his riches in glory. Not according to the riches of the United Kingdom. So I'm here to let you know. So I begin to see this God. In the light of who he is. Not to let your situation subdue this God. He can do anything. This God who is a circle. Ezekiel called him. He's a wheel within a wheel. Do you know why? Because this God does not have the beginning. There was no, there's no beginning, there's no end. Because a circle has no beginning, no end. But a straight line will have a start, end, a start point and an end point. But he said, he's a wheel within a wheel. God has no beginning. God has no ending. He sits because he's a wheel within the wheel. He sits upon the circle of the earth and he makes the earth his footstool. This God is so powerful that nothing can stop him. Nothing can stop him. You, you, you might be a resource that helps me and I'm grateful for that. And I bless you for blessing me. The Bible says in the last days, men shall be unthankful. Yeah, I thank you for the gift that you gave me. I'm so grateful. Because you are a resource. But I tell you what, despite the resource and the blessing that I'm getting, I will not be so stupid and foolish to think that the resource is my source. Because it is God that is the source. So if one resource dry at point A, and God, who is the source, will raise another resource from point B. And that is why I am not crazy about resources. But I want to rely on the source. He's the source. That produced the resources. Whenever God gives me the privilege to do something, I don't get proud about it. There's no cheap on my shoulder. The Bible says if your right hand wants to do something, your left hand must not see it. Oh, that's quite challenging. No, don't look, don't look. Do you know what? Whatever you do, it is not about you. And so the reason why I don't have cheap on my shoulder is because if I don't do it, God can raise another resource. 
He said in the book of John chapter 4, he said, if you don't worship me, I will raise stones. Stones to worship me. What you have came from God. Naked did I come into this world? I don't care how many billions that you amount in this world. Naked shall you return. And that is why this earth will not give any satisfaction. But God. But God. Glory be to God. So God. He's the factor when we talk about divine shift. And as I close, I want you to pay me your undivided attention. I'm going to give you four things. Four. That you have to let go of. For the divine shift to operate in your life. Before I give you the four things, let me lay the foundation. People that soft on the sea for you to soft effectively you have to move in the direction of the current if you move against the direction of the current you are going to drown have you seen the birds when they want to fly the birds want to fly you know they just be wagging their wings want to fly and the bird probably cannot fly more than, okay, I'm not sure how tall. But have you seen the eagle? Do you see the eagle flapping? When the eagle soars, he places his wings in the direction of the wind. And he just soars. And that's what happened with divine shift. When you take note of these four things, you allow the divine shift that God has released upon the house to take effect. Number one, let go of your comfort zone. Let go of your comfort zone. I did it. You want to display not all the four, uh, just display on the screen in terms of um, the Bible reference as well. So let go of your comfort zone. Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 6. You all know the story. Okay. Peter was fishing all night with all his fishermen crew. And this day was a bad day in the office. You know, you know, you know that days you have bad days in the office. Or let me give you, some, let me give you an example. Some of you that, that, um, that love football that I do, you know. Jesus, Jesus. Now, a bad day in the office is early hours of this morning, Arsenal, the stone, the builder rejected, has now become the chief cornerstone. How can you have Jesus in your boat and you think you're going to lose? And that's why you've got nine, Jesus. Ooh, you say, well, Pastor Chris, you say this all the time. But let me tell you what the bad day in the office. Just very early hours of this morning. I know Dick and Tyre won't find this funny. But Dick and Tyre, just take this and pack it so that you don't miss what God is about to say to you now. Chelsea, after the game a few hours ago, they'll probably go to the dressing room 
and said to the manager, well, today is a bad day in the office. Because Arsenal trashed them 4 nil. Oh, 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 you know, ah, oh, Jesus, Jesus. So we have bad days in the office. There are days whereby you go to work, you know, there's some presentation you want to do. You just, you're not just in the mind, you just, just, well, today I'm not, it's a bad day in the office. And that was the day that Peter had. Peter had a bad day in the office. May I let you know that Peter, he was an industrious man. He had machineries. He had structure, fisher. He fished. So all night, and Luke chapter 5, when Jesus finished preaching, Jesus used the boat. They were washing up their net. Oh, the Spirit of the Lord say unto me, there's someone under the sound of my voice. You are at the brink of your miracle. Power. You are now you've so given up, you're washing your net. Well, I've done all I can do. You've just given up. But I'm here to let you know, don't give up, child of God. God is on your case. And God said unto Peter. Now watch this, ladies and gentlemen. Peter, launch into the deep. Now hear this. Probably looked at him and his rabbi. Okay. Jesus, okay. Said, Master, we've told all night. Now, do you know what he said? He didn't want to be rude to Jesus. He was just being, you know, very, very polite. We have told all night. In other words, thou. Man, the sun is here because... The fish, they come to the surface because the water is cooler. But now, come on down, use your sense, man. They've gone down. He said, launch. So he said to Jesus, we've taught all night. Perhaps Jesus will get the message. But Jesus didn't get the message. Launch into the deep. Do you know what he did? He let go of his comfort zone. Now, your comfort zone could be your skill set, your technical know-how, your expertise. Things that when you wake up, you don't need to think about you. you. It's just your zone. You don't think about it. You just do it. That any other person, when they try to do it, you know, I, I wonder with my accountant, I, I pay my accountant. I say, well, hang on a second. Well, um, the first time I hired an accountant, they said, yeah, this is how much I pay every month. I said, is that not, is that's too pricey. He said, but how, how long do you take to do this? He said, yeah. And uh, he said to me, you're paying for my experience, man. You try to do what may cost me an hour, it may cost you days. I've tried to do accounting myself, cost weeks. Weeks. How to get the zeros, the ones, to add up. It doesn't add up. I can't be an accountant. I don't have the patience. So accountants, they, they have long suffering. You know? They are so patient to ensure that every, every penny must add up. So your technical know-how, technical skills, you've got to let go of your comfort zone. God will say things to you that will challenge, that is going to trouble your mental state of mind in terms of what you know. And one of the things I struggle with, my first degree was in statistics. I know numbers. And that is why in my reasoning I'm very, very logical. When it doesn't make sense, I say, well, this doesn't make sense. Because numbers don't lie. When a table starts for you, from stats you get information. Say, so, well, this is the trend. Glory be to God. But I struggled my early days of Christianity. The Bible said, there's he that scattered and yet increased it. But there's he that we told them more than his meat. Yet tended to poverty. But that blew my statistical idea because for you to amount wealth, you've got to withhold. So times when God said, give, release. Come out of your comfort zone. Just like Peter. 
Number two, let go of your belief systems. Let go of your belief system. We all know the story in the book of John. John chapter Now before John before I go to John. Matthew chapter 7. I was in conversation with my current role means that I have, I, I interact with so many culture, so many culture, tribes. And I discovered just two months ago that if you live in India and your entrance door does not face the east, no one is going to buy the house. In fact, the real estate, the house will probably go with zero value. Because in India, the culture there is the front door must face the east. So when someone's trying to build a house in India or move into a house, the first thing they have to do, the front door, does it face the east? And then the back door must face the west. Do you know why? Because they have this belief the sun rises from the east and sets in the west. So if your front door does not face the east, or the not, I think my door in the house actually faces the not. You can see the belief. That means your house will attract bad luck. That is a belief. I said, are you kidding? He said, yeah. I said, well, if I go to India, I want to build a house. I will make my front door to face northeast. <laughs> but that is the belief. And it's so real. Now, you may laugh. Where I come from, that's some crazy belief. That if you're on, on, a, on a sunny day and then you're walking, you don't know, you're just doing, walking to your business and a bird poo on the center of your head. So that means wealth is coming. Oh my goodness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight to my barber and scrape the hair off. But that is the belief. Now Matthew chapter 7, the Jews have one belief. Whereby Jesus came into the scene... The Pharisees will not eat except they wash their hands and except they wash their feet when they go to the market. They will not eat because they came to Jesus. How come your disciples eat without washing their hands? Your belief. The belief that you have, you need to let go of it to be able to enter into the divine shift that God is creating for you now. What is the belief that you have in your mind? Everybody have belief system. Even footballers, they use different shoelaces. They have ritual. You know, some of them, when they, when they want to enter the field, they jog with one leg. And I listen to Martinelli. They ask him, why do you jog onto the field with one leg? Say, no, I saw Ronaldo do it. And ever since I've been doing it, I've been winning. Belief system. They just jog one leg. So you have, we have different belief systems, but you have to let go of the belief system if you are going to walk in the divine shift of God. The third one. Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me before I go to the third one. You and I know that 
you don't just get pregnant by doing nothing. You know, a man and a woman would do then pregnancy. Am I talking? Why are you, why are you looking so straight? Even in secondary school, year three, they teach them about sex. Well, yeah. You know, you don't just get pregnant. You just, you just wake up, I'm pregnant! No, you just don't, you know, for you to be pregnant, some things, you know, there has to be one and two. You know, one and two will happen, then you'll be pregnant. Okay? Now, I said that to say this. There are some of your natural beliefs that are not necessarily wrong. Now, stay with me here. Not necessarily wrong, I've given you an example. So that is a belief system, tacit knowledge of certain things, you cannot, if my wife comes to me and says she's pregnant, I said, huh? <laughs> because, huh? Did not, huh? And then if, huh? There's precaution, you know, yeah, I will, I will say, hello. You, you get me? But, but, uh, yes, explain, because it's beyond my comprehension, because that thing, you know, that thing and the caution. So I will wonder. Now, that belief system is actually, it's not incorrect. So, but the thing about the belief system that is, in, that is not incorrect, if you're not careful, it may hold you back. And I remember Mary, Virgin Mary. And we read the Bible's passage so quickly. The Bible says she was going, she was just engaged to Joseph. Now, the joy of any woman, you, you want to, if a woman is planning her wedding, the world will stand still. When my wife was planning the wedding, in fact, it appears that maybe she's doing that. Are you the first man to get married? You know, I mean, you will not hear what. When women are planning wedding, it is a big deal. She was just engaged to Joseph. And suddenly, suddenly, she didn't ask God to appear unto her. Suddenly, God appeared unto Mary. Say, Hail Mary, full of grace. Now, when you hear certain greetings, don't jump, don't jump for joy because wait until you hear the message. You know, Hail Mary, full of grace. And the angel said unto Mary that the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow. No, he said you will become pregnant. And Mary said, <laughs> I'm a virgin guy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to my marriage, to getting married to Joseph. You know. And she said, how shall this thing be? She had a belief system, how be it true and fact in the natural. And the Holy Ghost said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall overshadow you. Who? Who? IVF. See, God has been doing miracles. Medical miracles before we start doing it. God, the first you know, cutting of the flesh, you know, when they go to surgery, when the man was brought forth, God did it first. That was, that's IVF. That was IVF. Glory be to God. Said the Holy Ghost will overshadow it. And when she heard that, do you know what she did? Be it unto me, according to your word. In other words, I let go of my calculation. I let go of my ideology that actually makes sense to me. You know, I let go. Amen. So the third one, and I do the final and I, and I get out of, out of your face. The third one, let go of your circumstance and situation. 
And we know this story in the book of John chapter 11 from 39 to 46. The story of Lazarus. Now, one of the things you need to understand is Jesus had a relationship with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. In fact, Jesus was a close family friend, whereby often he detoured at the house to eat, to sleep over. So there were no strangers. And on this fateful day, Martha sent servants unto Jesus and said, go call Jesus because Lazarus is sick. I don't think I will react to you nicely if you're my friend, you eat in my house, and I'm in trouble, and you get the SOS message to come and help me, and I know you can help me, and you don't show up, and especially if there's no reason why you're not showing up, because the Bible didn't tell us why Jesus tarried for four days. He heard the news, he said, well, this sickness unto death, he waited for four days. But you all know the story. Fast forward. When Jesus got onto the scene, Martha said unto Jesus, if you had come, our brother would not have died. But Jesus said, well, Lazarus is dead. I mean, he's going to rise up again. And you all know the story. He said, well, she'd say, yeah, he's going to rise up on the last day. But to cut the long story short, her situation was just hopeless. And the Jewish, if you die within three days, you can still, your spirit is just hovering. But after four days, you are dead, dead. And Jesus got onto the scene and said unto Martha, roll away the stone. He said, no, Jesus, you don't understand the situation. It is dead and is now stinking. But God said, roll away the stone. Your situation, it's not beyond repair. Your situation is not, is not so dire that, oh, I'm done for. Your situation could be, quote-unquote, dead, dead. It is not beyond redemption. Jesus said, roll away the stone. Now, after Martha said, oh, my goodness, I've seen you, Jesus, you know, heal the sick and all that. I've seen all the miracles, but this, this guy's thinking, but what did she do? She let go and she rolled away the stone. But what really got me in this story is this. Remember at the beginning I said when God moves, the supernatural has nothing, the natural has nothing to do with it. It, needs, it doesn't need your help whatsoever. Now what bothers me is this. I know faith is good. Now listen very carefully. Faith is good. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I know prayer is good. Bible said, men ought to pray, not to faint. All that is confession is good, you know, having the spirit of faith. But the subject matter. Oh, you know, there are some situations in my life where I don't want to lift up my mouth, my voice. It is dead, dead. The subject was Lazarus. Lazarus didn't have any faith. He didn't do any confession. The guy probably was enjoying the street of gold and doesn't care about the crime that was happening. But what happened? Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. There was no faith in it, in Lazarus. So when there's a divine shift in your life and you let go of certain things, God will begin to walk and things will begin to set into order. The word of Jesus, Lazarus, come forth. And immediately he began to let. 
and they lose all the rope. Because matter, let go of the situation. You're worrying too much. Cast your cares upon me for I care for you. If it feeds the birds of the air, how much more you? Will he not feed you or clothe you? You went to bed last night, you cried, your pillows wet, you woke up, did the problem change? Why, then why cry? But God, with him, all things are possible. And how did all these all this three? And the Holy Ghost said unto me, no, there's one which is very, very important I need to bring to your notice. It's not going to be a shouting one, but just look straight and just believe that I'm talking to your neighbor, not to you. And the fourth one is, let go of unforgiveness. Now listen very carefully. Uh, Jesus preached a message. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. If two of you shall agree on earth. Very, 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 something. if two of you shall agree on earth. And shall I ask of anything of my father? It will be done for you. He was preaching good. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. And it's quite interesting. After the hot message and sermon, Peter came to Jesus. How many times do I need to forgive my brother? I suspect that Peter is dealing with unforgiveness because Jesus said many, many things in that passage. He was preaching hard and all that he came to ask Jesus. So, okay, how many times? So, I love where two of you shall agree on earth. I love the binding and the losing. But this one, I'm not sure I quite agree. How many times do I need to forgive my brother? And Jesus replied, 70 times 7. 490 times. Now, listen very carefully. Over the years, I thought forgiveness was a sign of weakness. Because if I operate in that forgiveness um, um, manner that Jesus said, 490 times, I keep forgiving. You do something, I forgive you. You probably take me for granted. You probably take me for granted. Well, you walk all over me. I used to see forgiveness that, well, no, no. To operate that level, no. I'm not a fool. I'm not stupid. You did that yesterday. And then at times I use, for, I use unforgiveness as, as a weapon. Oh no, you did that last week. No, no, no. You have to change. You have to change for you beg for my forgiveness as a weapon. But I'm here to let you know that forgiveness is a gift for you. It's a gift for you. Because if you don't forgive... You are doing yourself an injustice. And this is the example I can give unto you. You don't forgive. You are actually drinking poison. Hoping that the person that you don't forgive will die. But it's yourself that you are killing. And that is why Jesus said 490 times. I've actually come to realize that. Well you don't need to ask me to forgive you. I'm just going to forgive. Because I'm doing myself a gift and a favor. A favor, unforgiveness. And unforgiveness will derail you, will distract you from the divine shift that God is creating in your life because of unforgiveness. Now, each time when I touch on this, church acts very spiritual, just like you're acting spiritual now. Saying, well, I don't have that problem. 
Well, let me help you spot your own forgiveness. If there's anyone in your life that enters the room and your mood changed, oh, that is unforgiveness. If there's anyone that comes across you and obstructs your temperature, that is unforgiveness. Because that person, you may say to yourself, well, no, 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 I forgive. But they come in and they change everything. You suddenly go quiet. I think that is too much of a power I can give to any human being. That I'm, you know, I'm jollofing, I'm happy, and you come in, so, that guy again. That is unforgiveness. And I can see faces are popping up. You may rise up on your feet. Faces are popping up in your mind of people that might want to that, that, that inter, uh, interject in your course of life and begin to have flashes of unforgiveness. Well, that person, just rise up on your feet. Rise up on your feet and begin to talk unto God. The four things that I leave with you, you've got to let go of your comfort zone. You have to let go of your belief system. You have to let go of your situation, that circumstances, your environment, that is you have to let go. And you have to let go of unforgiveness. Lift up your hand unto God. And if by any chance you are dealing with unforgiveness, I just want you just to lift yourself unto God and just release whatever that you're holding grudge against. It's a gift for you, not for them. You don't want to distract yourself from the divine shift, from what God has called you to do. Begin to talk to God. Father God, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. Blessed be your name forevermore. Lord, we let go. We let go of everything. Everything that is standing in the way. We let go everything. Father God, I commit everyone under the sound of my voice to every issue, to every situation, to every problem. Everything we let go today. And we'll release ourselves to your divine shift that is occurring now in our life. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. We give the praise, we give the glory. Come on, if you believe that it is your season for your divine shift, come on, let's celebrate God. Come on. Come on, shout unto God. It's your season for divine shift. It's your moment of divine shift. Your week of divine shift. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to God forevermore. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.